Are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hello, and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Matt Waterworth. I'm Scott Westby. And we're Full Swing Productions, and every episode we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media landscape of Alberta. Let's jump right into it, get into the news. Yeah, it's 2016. Yay. Um, what about Star Wars, though? Before we do news, we've got to talk about Star Wars. Okay, fine. I've You've seen finally it. seen it. I've seen it. I got spoiled uh walking into the theater that sucks i I was avoiding spoilers um i was off the internet on the thursday and then i went to see it on the monday right and i'm walking into the theater and there's this uh little kid and his dad and uh, without spoiling the kid says did something something happen and then the dad says yes son something 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 happened happened. (laughs) and uh it was funny because it was it's been my fake joke spoiler uh yeah you've been saying months and months and months it's like like when i had seen it and you hadn't this is exactly you know this happens and it did happen it did happen so (laughs) so like yeah that'd be crazy if that happened so it's good because that was my gut reaction to when the kid said it i was like oh that's my big spoiler joke yeah wait a minute (laughs) that's real so that Um, sucked no doubt yeah Um, but um box office wise it is a bit of a phenomenon yeah definitely and i don't think that's a huge surprise no um especially once it started getting good reviews Mm -hmm. i think it yeah i mean disney couldn't they could not afford to make a not not an amazing movie oh yeah you're right i mean and i and i and i loved it what did you think i loved it yeah Yeah, okay so so i think i think that's pretty much across the board there are some of course those dissenters who love to uh uh, take the uh, opposite position. Um, there are also people who genuinely did not like it. For sure. Yeah, yeah. of course. And, and I'm friends. sure they have a point. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but I, yeah, while they, while they uh, write those posts, I'll just go and see it again. Um, but the, the thing that I'm worried about is Rogue One. Right. We were just talking about this yeah. earlier. So the next Star Wars movie to come out is not Star Wars Episode Eight. Right. That comes out in May 2017. The next Star Wars movie coming out is in December of 2016 this year. And it's called, I think it's called Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Right. Is it really? Oh. Yeah. Something like that. So this is where I'm a little concerned. I wish they would just do the three, the trilogy, and then, and then move. work on the uh, on the expanded well, I mean, universe. It's the, it's the Marvel model, right? So they can, they can yeah. be, be working on Episode Eight while rogue one is going it's a different director different cast they don't need to double book themselves this is true um but it's a prequel so it happens between episode three and four mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i can't imagine a way that there's going to be any lightsabers in this star wars movie <laughs> so i'm not yeah. sure how i feel about it That's how could point. it be well i mean what i do like about it is that firefly's wash is in it right yes which is awesome sure and, sure and i i hope he's a pilot um but yeah, there are things that are very exciting about it. Oh, um, and it'll be great, I'm sure. And it's a great idea. Um, I'm just worried that they're, yeah, they might they might overdo it. And I didn't realize they were going to be doing this spin-off stuff so quickly. Um, but anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, jumping right into the news then. Um, the CBC Calgary is selling their current building on Westmount Boulevard just off of Memorial Trail or Memorial uh, Drive. Drive place thing memorial they've been in this building since the 60s and have been hoping to move to something that better suits today's needs they'll be moving to a new location by the foothills hospital the building will be smaller but much more modern and should be a boon to the people working for the cbc i know a couple of folks who've worked in that building and uh um it is it's certainly a little bit aged and uh, you get to have them in a new place for sure yeah hopefully it's it's good news i mean i don't know much about the new space but yeah yeah, we'll have to get someone on. I hope. I just it. hope it's not tied to layoffs in it. Yeah, way, which is, it is smaller, so who knows? Yeah. Um, Story Hive has introduced something uh, last month that's they they are calling Stor- the Story Hive Challenge. So um, every two weeks, Story Hive will share a creative assignment as part of this contest. Uh, people can participate by sharing an image, photo, which is the same thing, or a thirty-second video onto their social media channels using the hashtag Story Hive. All content must be original. Any images used or remixed must have permission. And then uh, the StoryHive internal team will pick favorite submissions at the end of each assignment period, post the winning submission to the social media channels, and contact the winner via social media to award the prize. Uh, their first challenge just wrapped up on December 31st, and now they're into challenge number two. The theme is Inside Out, and the prize is an iPhone Steadicam. So this is open to anybody. 
Yeah, I think you have to be in their database and their creator right, database. Right, right. But um, but I for some reason when you first brought it up, I was like, oh, is this only open to the winners? Like as they oh, produce no, content so. for like the behind the scenes. Oh no, I don't think so. Um, so I mean, it's cool if you want to win some free stuff and uh, you want you want uh, something to kind of force you into a creative box, which mm-hmm. is someplace sometimes a great place to be. Sure. Uh, definitely check them out and, and participate. Yeah. Uh, so um, crowdfunding campaign um, with uh, Conrad Sun and Neil Champagne. Uh, they were successful with their um, Invest YYC campaign for a short film they're working on called Missed Connection. Um, and they raised 102% of their ask. And uh, That's so, great. So yeah, yeah big congrats, props guys. to them and hope to see that film soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then who did we who do we have on the podcast today, Scott? Today's a filmmaker from Edmonton named Dylan Pierce. Uh, he's a pretty well respected filmmaker in the community. Uh, currently working on his seventh feature film. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Right. So this dude has been uh, pretty. I don't even know. Awesome, I guess, in the Prolific industry for his age, especially. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's not. He's not a, an old dude. Um, and he's he's big into uh, 3D, and he actually he uh, is touring with his film 40 Below and Falling, um, starring the awesome Jewel State, uh, which was shot in 3D, um, and and an interesting choice for a romantic comedy. And we actually get into that a little bit. Um, and he's also getting big into virtual reality filmmaking, uh, and we touch on that a little bit as well. And that's something that uh, we're both kind of keen on jumping into. So. Uh, yeah, really awesome dude, and uh, with it, just a wonderful story about how he kind of got into this role that he's that he's in right now. So, uh, without further ado, let's chat with Dylan Pierce. So, where are we? Uh, we're at uh, Avatar Media. Avatar Media, all right, in Edmonton, Alberta. In Edmonton, Alberta. Yes. Yeah. And what is this place? Uh, Avatar Media. It's a production company that does films, TV commercials. Um, Transmedia VR projects. Cool. How long have they been around, and how how are you connected with them? How did that happen? Oh, uh, they've been around for quite some time. Uh, I know I've heard the name. Yeah, uh, I believe it, um, the film company they opened up in two thousand and eleven, um, and right now we're working together on some three D feature films. Um, one of them we're going to uh, Belgium for, and uh, yeah. Nice. That's exciting. Awesome. That's just, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of one. I, I like to start that way because that's kind of a hint at like what Belgium, because you've got a lot of very exciting um, projects under your belt so far. But let's start at the beginning. Sure. I don't know. Scott's, this is the first interview Scott's been on since his vacation. Since my very first interview. So yeah. I, but do you, do you want to be the main host? Because I've had my. Yeah, team. sure. I want right. to take you, it. You, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. take the lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Windsor, Ontario. Yes. Was where you started. Yep. But now you're not there anymore. No. Uh, no, I'm not. So what makes <laughs> what makes a person leave Ontario to come to Alberta to make films? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a long story. Um, it really, I ended up here uh, because of a girl who is now my wife. Um, that's how I ended up in Alberta. Yeah. Nice. nice. And so, uh, obviously, it's, it's not most people's first choice when it comes to filmmaking. Um, but we want to make it that way. Yeah. So, um, what was your what was your journey? You went to Red Deer College. Yeah, um, I guess we it started back uh, when I was in um, uh, back in Ontario in Windsor, and we had kind of all uh, a group of us got together and we made a feature film where we drove a co- across the country, and uh, it was kind of one of those like teenage angst finding yourself stories. And for us, it was just making a lot of mistakes and uh, just learning. And after that, I was kind of looking for um, a more heavily film hands-on orientated program um, because the university at the time was very much uh, theory-based. So I was exploring sure. new places. And um, uh, Ashley, uh, my wife, she was looking at coming out to uh, go to Red Deer College. And uh, it was funny. Uh, I was either looking at Toronto or Vancouver I told my mom, I'm like, no, you know what? Red Deer, that is the choice for me. <laughs> but it's a great program. Oh, it, it's, I'm only here because of that program. Like, yeah. uh, um, what they allowed us to do um, it paved the way for everything that uh, I've been so fortunate to have done. Is it a three-year program? It's a, well, it's a two-year program, um, but you have to have a two-year prerequisite. So oh, okay. the feature we did uh, before 
and uh, the year I had done at um, the U of Windsor was enough credits for me to kind of get into the program there. Cool. Uh, and what was your wife taking in, in Red Deer College? Oh, uh, she was going to take the acting uh, oh, okay. program there. Um, yeah. Hmm, nice. And is she did, does she act now or? Oh, uh, she just she still does acting. She's opened her own um, uh, event um, company, and she does a lot of events uh, for CASA. Um, but uh, yeah, she never ended up taking the acting program. So oh. that's okay. like a, <laughs> long story. That's like a podcast in itself. The story <laughs> okay. of the two of us of how I ended up in Alberta yeah. without her, and uh, it's a, yeah. oh really? <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> Fair enough. So. Um, so uh, was it at, at Red Deer that you met uh, Andrew Sholachuk and and Darren Arsenault, or did you meet Darren later? Or how uh, so come? I met Andy um, in uh, Red Deer. Uh, he was uh, one of my classmates. And uh, yeah, the first time I met, we did not get along. I was this like <laughs> Windsor kid who, I don't know. I was just like relaxed and he was just, he came right from high school. So he was just like, he had his notepad. He was just ready to work. And everyone else was like, this is college. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> and uh, so it's funny. We ended up uh, getting put together uh, for a film at the Calgary Film Festival. And, and there were two films that we went to go see. One was L'Enfant, which won like the Cannes Palme de Lore. And the other one uh, was called Pure. It was a Canadian film. Everyone in the class loved L'Enfant, except for the two of us. Uh, we liked this Canadian film called Pure and everyone was just trashing. Well, they didn't like it. And so it was funny. We ended up bonding over uh, over that. But you know, huh. we always joke that like, okay, so everyone liked the award-winning film and him and I were like, you know what? We like the other film yeah. that didn't win cons. <laughs> and that's how we started our filmmaking career together. All right. Cool. Uh, so what happened after Red Deer then? Because how many, let's, let's, let's jump the gun a little bit. How many yeah. features have you directed now? I direct you, you'd already directed one before Red Deer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, that was uh, extremely low budget. That was right. uh, sure. us. We had bought a DVX 100 and we're just like 24P yeah. and yeah. like, like <laughs> let's make some mistakes and have some fun. Um, I've directed six features to date. Uh, Amazing. Um, and uh, Baby Blues was our next feature and that was our, f our fourth year or second year uh, project at, at the school because the second year you're allowed to do whatever you want. So I was like, Andy, let's, let's do a feature film. We have free equipment we have our friends to work on it um and that's the film that kind of started everything uh for us together and i i knew andy in high school okay uh, and i knew him as a cinematographer that was his goal at the time and now as of today that's morphed a little bit yeah as far as his role but at that time he was your dp yeah it was right. yeah he was he was the dp he was it was funny because he was interested in producing and editing and dping and he kind of uh, we've always you know Produced, I guess what we've done out of necessity, you kind of have to. Um, but uh, yeah, cool. Right so, how did Baby Blues go down? Like, how do you? So you had the support of the school. Were you using like Red Deer gear and? Yeah, we used the. Uh, we shot on the SDX nine hundred, um, so it's still tape based, and um, it it all kind of was like. Uh, God, that film in itself was is, is a whole story. But to sum it up, it was like we were all set to shoot. And um, I, we shot this in Windsor, um, partly because I was homesick. which, <laughs> I, um, But I had a lot of friends uh, back there. And I, I thought the landscape of um, Windsor and Detroit, because bo Windsor borders Detroit. Right, and yeah. so you have this massive city right across the river. So I thought it was... Uh, really good kind of juxtaposition and uh, about this woman who's just she's left prison she's trying to get back to her life so it was her journey back to the city to try to get um, her child back because she was uh, put away in jail and her kids were taken um, or her kid was taken away from her and so we were uh, yeah about to shoot the film we hadn't cast the lead and um, I don't know why but I one one day I was just like you know what I'm just going to put this on the online that we're doing auditions and this was like back in 2006 so I didn't really have stuff set up but we had created a company called Organized Chaos Productions because we were film students and we thought that was really cool name cool name we're like <laughs> oh yeah but what we didn't know was that there was another company in um, Detroit area like they did a lot of work in um, the states between LA uh, called Organized Chaos Production. So when the call went out, everyone thought it was this LA oh my God. <laughs> um, uh, company. And 
so we started getting contacts from agents and we were film students had no idea what we were getting into <laughs> or what that meant did that did, did it seem like it was a normal yeah, thing was like, that like oh this is what is what should happen when you put a call no we, no, were, oh, we, okay. we like we got a call um about an actor on 24 and we're just like oh <laughs> like we thought we were just gonna I don't, I don't know what we thought we were what was gonna happen um but uh yeah so we ended up getting um a call from the characters agency for uh, Jenny Levine, who's now Jenny Cooper, but um, she was on 24 at the time and uh, she loved the script and wanted to talk to us. And so we flew her down to Detroit. We had auditions there. I, I had a, f um, a family friend who owned a studio there. So we did all these fancy auditions in the studio, in the studio. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. to make it look like we weren't these kids. And uh, it's funny, she didn't know I was the director until um, I introduced myself because Tom, um, the guy who owned the studio, he was like, she just thought he was because he looked like a man. And I was like this like little kid. <laughs> I was completely clean shaven and just like even even shorter. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we did the audition. She blew us away. And then it was so funny. He, um, I got the advice from Tom, like just wait three days. Don't, don't let her know she, she like, she's your only choice. Just uh, make her feel like she's earned it. And uh, so I got this phone call uh, from uh, her like two days into it. She's been like, hey, just wanted to uh, touch base and talk about casting, see if you guys made any conclusions. I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to give the actors my number and be all right. buddy, buddy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're still doing auditions. And she's like, oh, okay. Do you mind who, who you guys are looking at? Because I told her it was like a small number of people. Again, I didn't realize you could say no. So I just started Googling Canadian actresses. And it's like, oh, we're looking at this person. Like live on the phone? <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, I was, yeah, lucky uh, she didn't know any of them personally. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no. It was, uh, yeah. No, um, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, so it all kind of came together. We're all of a sudden the film became Actra, and that changed everything. Like we had a budget of 20000 That was just my friend. And I, and then all of a sudden we were going Actra and we had to go complete Actra because we're using the tip agreement and it just changed everything. So that's where Darren came into play. I called uh, Larry Reese at Red Deer in a panic and I was like, Larry, what do we I, do? Don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. This Actra thing's happening. And, you know, it was all scary at the time because you didn't really understand what it meant. And then you realize it was, it's just, it means, you know, your um, different rates and things like that. But uh, yeah, the film went. Um, Actra, and we uh, we we did the film, and then it got a theatrical release. Uh, we got picked up by um, the uh, distribution, and uh, it had a great run, and that's kind of what started wow, yeah. everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what did the budget go up to from twenty thousand at that point? Uh, the budget ended up being in total was eighty thousand dollars because we had to get um, Actra. We then we had to get like we got trailers, and we realized that it was going to cost a bit more than what we were yeah. just planning on so yeah. um, I mean it was really great about not shooting in like a major city is that we had the whole film sponsored so like all our meals were catered by a different restaurant every day Wow! Um, because people were just excited in Windsor about yeah. a movie happening there and because we had someone from 24 it just yeah, kind of yeah. like grew bigger yeah nice and um, yeah that's great so uh, is what that story? yeah and and, and uh, you know as as kind of emerging filmmakers the, the fact that you can actually get a film finished and then turn it into a second film is is a challenge i think that a lot of people don't even realize is going to exist oh yeah so was it because of that relationship with that distributor that led into the next one or yes yeah yes. the uh, the guys who um picked up uh baby blues um wanted to do a horror film next and uh yeah, so the, our next film was a horror film that was uh, it just didn't didn't click, did not work. Um, and did you did you reverse engineer it because they were looking for horror? You said yes, we can do that, or yeah, it was a really young and uh, I don't know naive in the sense of um, I just wanted things to work, and I was like, oh, I got another offer, I should just take totally. it. And yeah, so it's course. just yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I can, we can do a horror film, and uh, to get asked to do a film as an Alberta filmmaker. And, and be the director is like it, it doesn't happen that's that's amazing yeah yeah so i i just i kind of went along with it and there's so many red flags that went up uh, but i didn't uh i didn't say anything because i was scared <laughs> sure, um yeah. but to put it frankly three weeks before we we're about to shoot we had already cast it the whole film was lined up like this great homage to um 
Friday the 13th. It was an old, it was like a slasher film, but it was kind of throwback. And they came back, the producers came back from AFM and uh, they said, no one wants slashers. Everyone wants creature films. So they're like, this needs to be a creature movie. Oh, wow. Three weeks. So we had already cast it and we had the script. We had locations. So I was like, I just said, yeah, I can make that work. And so we were rewriting the script oh as we went God. along. I was trying to, we already cast it. So using the, I didn't want to recast it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it just, it That's turned a, into, yeah. it was a great, great film school for me of sure. learning, yeah, yeah. learning for me. Yeah, for sure. But wow. yeah, I mean, that's a tough spot to get put in, no doubt. That's scary. I really hope one day to make a mockumentary called Texas Road, The Massacre <laughs> about the whole process of making <laughs> that film and uh, what, uh, what happened uh, during the whole thing. Cause it's, right. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, fast forward maybe to, to, 40 below and falling which sure, is yeah. um which is just a, a huge huge project um and something that that i'm super interested in so um for the listeners who don't know 40 below and falling um is a, a film that was shot in 3d even though it was a romantic comedy which kind of turned a lot of heads um so i'm wondering what why why 3d yeah yeah, uh, it's a question that gets asked a lot, especially with the genre. But I, I mean, as a director, I don't view 3D as something that's genre-specific. Um, I mean, I look at it like CG when it first came out. It was sci-fi and action, and that's it. And it's evolved now into a storytelling tool for any mm-hmm. genre. And it's, I yeah. think it's the same thing, f- um, like sound and color. It, you know, it's 3D, it's just another element a director has to kind of tell the story and work with your audience. So um, I thought it would be a great opportunity to kind of explore that um, tool myself as a director. And um, it allowed, I think, uh, for the story, Kate and Redford are on this like, kind of journey through the wilderness. And I just thought the idea of putting the audience in there with them, the idea of having the characters out front of the screen, almost like a, a, th- a theater show where they're like main front stage. And you have uh, mid-stage and, and uh, backstage kind of just as elements to it. So rather than just having stuff flying out of the screen, we used it um, to have the main characters there. So it kind of gave it um, a bit more atmosphere, a bit more immersive experience for the, the audience on their journey. Mm-hmm. And how was that? How did you make that happen? For Because the budget wasn't a, a proper 3D budget like the, the Hollywood uses, right? So how did this, how did this come to be? Oh, it was a lot of a lot of research, a lot of uh, just figuring out how to make it work. Um, it was after I th- I think I do. Um, I had been like when I think I do went to post. I'd really taken uh, a lot of time to understand and figure out how I could tell a story in three D. So it was about two years of just research in terms of like creatively, how can you use this um, as a director to your advantage? And then it was. Um, research on how how can we do this on the budget so we we realized because the temperatures were shooting in and the limitations of not having a massive Hollywood crew size we needed to uh, have a rig that worked um, on the spot and that uh, was manual and wasn't tied to all these machines so you weren't um, kind of held down by that and uh, Dylan Reed who he um, he's an IMAX stereographer he's done Born to be Wild, uh, like pretty much any IMAX film you've seen, he's he's been a part of that on the 3D side, and he lives in Edmonton. And uh, him and I randomly got connected through another third-party project out of the blue, and it was really funny having another guy named Dylan who was interested in 3D who lives in Edmonton. <laughs> just like, what the hell are the odds of that? Um, and so him and I, we started talking about it and um, uh, about how creatively we wanted to do it, and um, I, I bought... Um, some cameras like basically I tried to take away any of the cost the production would have on the 3D side and uh, put that on myself because this was a big thing that I was putting on the movie and I wanted to really explore and try so it was uh, it was yeah just a lot of research and kind mm-hmm. of um, self-investment on my side sure and it was a, it's a bit like making two films because you still have to deliver a 2D version right oh yeah post-production on this was just like <laughs> For anyone who's listening to this was involved in that like it was uh that was its own movie in itself um we finally literally just can't realize one of the things that was happening uh, we had a bunch of hardware issues we had just um it, it was all kinds of issues that happened um uh, in making that 
for post, yeah. And is that is that mostly learning stuff that you can dodge next time, or is it just kind of the grind that you have to go through? Yeah, well, uh, because we were doing it in 4K, um, it was there wasn't any other workflows that were really there for doing this in 4K. Right. And yeah. so, um, again, unless you had a massive Hollywood-sized budget and you could use um, a, a Pablo or a uh, let's see, I don't know. There's a, there's another big system that they 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 literally were just coming out with 4K3 editing as we were doing it, but the systems were hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. Um, so we kind of tried to piecemeal our workflow together. Right. Huh. And has has the film gotten special attention because it's in 3D? Is that is that a selling feature for it? Yeah, that's um, it, it's been interesting because you know. Um, the 3D side has been a selling angle, like it's experienced a much um, bigger audience because of that. Um, it's played, uh, it just fin it played in Germany, it's gonna be playing, uh, we're just leaving for Belgium for it to be playing there. It'll be uh, playing in Paris, it's, uh, it's playing in LA this weekend. Um, and there's been a lot more attention and curiosity uh, because it's been in 3D and because we did it on a smaller side of the 3D budget, I guess, um, so it's also done, it's overseas. Uh, that's kind of where the big 3D market is. It's not so much uh, right here right now. Mm. Um, so it's had a, a much bigger shelf life over there. And here, 2D has been mostly it. We've had a few 3D screenings in North America. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, most of the stuff's been overseas for 3D. Right on. And what was the budget for it? The budget was one, uh, 1.7, 1.6. I think somewhere mm -hmm. in there, right. um, which is a tiny budget for a feature film that's not 3D. Oh yeah, like we had so we almost had a location move every day on this film. Like, wow. and we shot outside in the snow, and we had no snow. Yeah, I that, remember. Uh, I remember that winter. It was like uh, it was crazy. It's funny. There was this article going around about how Revenant. Capra was talking about how they didn't have snow and everyone's like oh yeah no that's just a Chinook you didn't know no we didn't have any snow in Edmonton like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no Chinooks in Edmonton yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, we were trucking in snow from anywhere we could it was funny because they were trying to get snow in and we were too so we're fighting fighting like, the Revenant like fighting versus snow Re yeah. Revenant versus 40 below yeah. like, <laughs> Leo wants his snow yeah, yeah. <laughs> no uh, it was um, I, I understood the challenge that they were going through because I was just like our whole movie is built around these people stuck in the in middle the, of nowhere yeah. because this massive blizzard moved in right and, and we it's had not snowing no snow so. it, i mean it doesn't it looks like there's a ton of snow throughout the movie like yeah. that that totally came across so i mean i didn't i would have had no idea if i wasn't friends with andy on facebook and seen him being like please snow and like being so <laughs> happy when it's snowed. <laughs> oh good well thank you yeah <laughs> thanks yeah i guess you guys pulled it off yeah because we we just saw the trailer in 3d which was awesome yeah yeah and uh yeah it looked totally like a winter wonderland kind absolutely of yeah it sells it sells for sure thanks so uh yeah i i mean that 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 trailer looks looks awesome but so the question i have is how how do people see the trailer in 3d here you, you say outside of north america 3d seems to be a little more popular but like the 3d tv thing was happening and now it seems to be dying off a little bit what, yeah what are your thoughts about the industry in that side well, I think, um, again, like, I mean, the stuff that I've seen, uh, pretty soon we'll have glasses-free 3D TVs, and I think that's when the market will start to pick up again. But right. the idea, you know, this is down the road a little bit, but the idea of us looking at a box, it, 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 that's going to change. Like, 3D sure. is just one step right. uh, towards many different ways of um, storytelling, and uh, it's, it's, it's just another step. Like, it'll happen where you won't have glasses, but then it'll happen where your the room, the area um, is the screen and you're looking at holograms. Like it's, uh, it's, it's constantly changing and it's just, it's at such a rapid pace. Like the things I've seen from going to conferences um, every other year, they're just like, my mind gets blown as to where things are and what it's like. So, so let's kind of lead that naturally into the next step, which is virtual reality. Sure, yeah. Which I know you're very excited about. Uh, and I am too. Um, and so I want to know, because you did some virtual reality stuff for 40 Below, is that right? Yeah, we have a VR experience uh, coming out um, where you get to be on set and watch the creation of a scene and then you get to see the scene as well. So the idea 
one of the things we're working with is um, two ways to kind of experience it. You watch the film, you're watching it, and then if you turn your head um, like one, 170 degrees, you can start to see the behind the scenes and how the film is being made. Cool. Um, and then we have kind of a little uh, set tour that takes you um, around there and then uh, you're interviewed and things like that. You hear interviews and stuff. Wow. So how did you, you did that. how did you shoot that? Well, we shot that with a 14 camera uh, VR rig that captured everything in a kind of 360 degree uh, field of view. And and when we met, it was at Banff this last year and you were carrying around kind of a, uh, like a 3D headset. Was that right? Was that what you were carrying around? With oh you? yeah, that, that was the... Um, Oculus, uh, Oculus Gear VR. Oh, okay. So um, they had partnered with Samsung and made um, a headset. Oh. It was a portable one. That wasn't. It's not tied to anything. It's just run by your phone. So how does virtual reality storytelling differ? It's completely different. Um, mainly because it, the camera placement, cutting, movement, all that stuff. It's like all the rules that you have for normal storytelling are kind of thrown out the window. Like just a simple thing, people, a lot of people are making first person experiences in VR. Well, question is what happens if somebody who's a different sex or race puts it on and there's like a white Caucasian hands that are looking at them mm. that are man hands mm. and, you're, and the person's a female, you're just like, right. it, it totally takes you out of the experience. Right. Um, and even a simple thing like height, if, uh, if I, when I put it on and someone had, filmed a first person experience for someone who is a lot taller. It just, it felt weird. It felt like I was standing on three phone books. Um, <laughs> wow. So huh. uh, just really simple questions like that that you never think of, um, you know, when you're when you're making films now or just kind of change things. And, and then that all depends on what, how you're telling your story. Uh, it's just first person has been like the go-to thing right now yeah. uh, for VR. Hmm. What do you think about um, the collective experience of, of watching a movie and how VR does it take it away? I think it does right now, the way it is now, but how can we, do we need it? Can we get it back? Do we? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, again, it's it's all kind of just being written right now and discovered. One of the big things that uh, they're discovering um, in VR is something they're calling the um, Patrick Swayze effect. And that's when you're in a scene and you're watching, whether it's first person or not, and you could reach out and touch something. So it's almost like the experience he has in Ghost when he tries to touch something right. and it's not real and you can't do that. Because right. when you're in a VR world and something's close enough that you could touch it, most people reach out. Like, right. Just instinctively. It's just a natural yeah. thing. Right. And, but it, when you do that and you can't touch it, it's just like experience is changed. It's shifted. Right. Right. You're not uh, a passive viewer anymore. You're interactive. It's kind of like when people in a 3D film would like reach out and grab the snow. Sure. Like you're separated from the story for a little bit. Um, so that's one of the interesting things they're kind of working with experimenting with just seeing how people respond in that hmm. so is that is that something that you're finding as you create virtual vr experiences is is tips like don't get too close to the camera or um kind of yeah most of these are just guidelines from someone's experience like, right um camera placement for instance like if you put the camera really low to the ground um, I mean, we experience this in 3D where it's just like if you put things too far apart, you have giganticism where everything, you feel like a giant, everything's miniaturized. So it's the same uh, effects can happen in VR, whereas if you put a camera to the ground, it's almost like you have the perspective of a mouse, but because you're in VR, it's just like you're literally down there looking at this this giant thing. And because you're in the space, it just feels like, oh, am I this small creature? What, like, it... it it kind of uh, changes it. And the whole idea of cutting and editing and movement, some people are like passionately, you don't cut, you don't, there's no editing, there's no mm. movement. It's mm. just like you're, 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 you're there, you experience yeah. it, and that's it. Huh. Whereas other people are like, um, no, you, you can have movement. People won't get confused. And so I kind of look at it back um, when film was first being experienced where it was just like, no, you can't cut. It was just like, right. it was just a, a, a still image and that's what people experienced it. So. It's going to evolve. It's going to change like yeah. everything. Um, but what's cool is that the rules are kind of just being written right now and uh, you get to kind of be a part of yeah, discovering absolutely. things right now. Yeah. So you, I mean, you a little while ago, you basically predicted that the holodeck is going to be a real thing. <laughs> so are you not concerned that Moriarty is going to take over the Enterprise at some point? <laughs> <laughs> 
episode. That's a whole other podcast, I think. <laughs> um so so what's what's on the horizon then for for you is it are you more focusing on 3d or virtual reality or both or um i i think again for vr three to me you need to shoot stereo uh vr for it to be a, a proper experience right like to experience it um i think in the best way someone can so stereo um, vr 3d vr yeah 3D. as opposed to like post converted or like 2D VR. Or 2D where, VR, like yeah. where it's just a single camera. It's just, it's a completely different experience. I'll show you guys some like sure, yeah. 2D VR versus sure, 3D VR. Sure. And 3D VR is, it's extremely tough to to do right now just because the technology is still kind of trying to be figured out. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, but my, yeah, I'm kind of melding both. Uh, right now for VR, it's really about learning for me. Like I've we've, we've shot some shorts, some test footage, and uh, it's just really understanding it before I try to dive into in. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. F- um, the next film, uh, well, one of them, I guess, is called Iron Dogs. It's written by uh, Neil Chase. It's like a Western Gothic. And so we're looking at uh, that being in 3D and uh, having a VR experience for it. So that's kind of where VR kind of fits in right now. It's not standalone. It's just it's a part of of the film yeah it's kind of working hmm. its way into it maybe more yeah more. yeah yeah um I, I saw you post something on facebook that let me down this whole long chain of, of vr tech it was about the nokia ovo is it called oh yeah yeah that's this camera is crazy did you get to use it yeah the uh, the nokia ozo it's like ozo a, right yeah, yeah um it's um they're trying to not trying they're marketing it as like the first pro Sumer or you know professional VR camera because a lot of the stuff right now um, there's not really like a red cam for VR right now. Right. There's like you can have 14 reds and like all this craziness. <laughs> right? um, but they're trying to uh, market it like that. And I mean, what's 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 interesting is it allows for stitching. It does um, all that stuff kind of for you, and you work with it because when you're shooting VR. One of the toughest parts is post because you have to stitch, stitch all the cameras images, together yeah. and then you don't want to have stitch lines and uh, it gets pretty complex. Um, the only thing with that camera is it's limited right now. It only shoots 30 uh, frames per second. Okay. So you, you want to have a bit of a higher frame rate. But um, Why is that? It's just for jitter and smoothness and people are moving their heads. Right. Um, so you want to have it as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is where a high frame rate is going to start to have a much bigger impact, right. I think, on the industry. Um, in this world rather than like high frame rate movies because people have just been trained and over the course of their lives that 24 is what a movie looks like and so when you see it it just feels different Mm -hmm. and uh, and wrong so I think this will be a way for it to kind of creep in um, to people cool and and what I liked about the Ozo 2 was that um, it had that the the 3D sound to where the microphones were connected to where you were looking is that something that you have to think about when you're shooting yeah so if you turn around the sound that. is behind you and then Whoa. exactly yeah sound uh, just like in um any filmmaking sound is like one of the most important things because visual cues as to how you let someone know where to look right or how do you experience something it's uh right now it's one of the only ways because if you want to have something going on behind you if, unless you have a uh, either a visual arrow being like hey yeah, look over check here. this yeah. out <laughs> yeah. um, they have no way to experience that and so one of the interesting things is just like we're still waiting for audio devices to cap- catch up there's a few on the market um, headphones that will allow you to experience uh, sound back there behind you right um, well that's been a gaming thing for a yeah, long time right yeah like, yeah, yeah you, I, directional sound is so important in, in like FPS shooters where you ha- need to know if there are people walking around so that's that's certainly a technology that must exist in some way yeah right now it's just connecting it with the footage right. um, having a system that's synced up where right. like um, you're in an Oculus or Samsung Gear VR and the headphones have an idea of where you're looking right um, like that's that information's connected once that is yeah they, the sound uh, part of it will work cool amazing that's yeah. so exciting it's yeah, a yeah, new yeah. frontier it's cool um, so what can we do for you to support 40 below and falling because like, that's kind of seems like that's your focus right now is, is really pushing that and yeah right now we're um, like it, it's had it's it's right now it's in Canada it's playing on uh, Super Channel okay um, we're just in the middle of closing um, our American uh, distribution so 
Um, maybe by the time this airs, we'll have done that. We're just in negotiations right now. Um, and uh, you guys can come to Europe with me if you want and <laughs> go see it over there. Um, <laughs> just watch it, I guess. Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of just... Just watch it. Watch I guess. it. Spread the word. Get super channel. Get super. Get super channel. Get super right channel. Now. That get yourself some food. Yeah. That is the. Uh, that's the way to see it in Canada right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. I. Uh, I'm. I'm proud to say that I. I just got Telus TV a couple months ago, and I. And I. And I ordered Super Channel. I think you get a free month of Super oh, okay. Channel too, and then it's and then it's like thirteen bucks a month after that. Um, it's worth it. It's awesome, and it's if you're trying to support Alberta film and television that's oh, definitely yeah. something there's yeah there's really they're they're great supporters of of absolutely. this industry and absolutely. pretty much most of the stuff that gets made in alberta yeah ends tiny up plastic on, men yeah tiny plastic men yeah ends up on right ends up on super channel for yeah. sure yeah um so uh let's shift gears a little bit sure, um yeah. for the listeners who may not quite be in the industry yet um or are looking to get into it and let's talk about fava yeah, Fava. It's a uh, film and video arts co-op. Um, kind of serves uh, northern Alberta, so Edmonton and north. Um, it's uh, there are classes. There is uh, equipment that you can get um, for a discounted rate for your own uh, creative projects. Um, it's a great group of people there. Um, a wealth of information um, there. I'm I'm on the board right now for only for another three months. This is my last uh three months as, as um el presidente as the <laughs> yeah as the, as the president there uh so yeah um it's a great place to learn and uh make mistakes and mm-hmm. that's the most important thing is is making mistakes and learning from them yeah oh absolutely yeah and that's part of just kind of going to make something right like that's really the only way to learn is yeah it's by screwing up a lot and yeah and that's what's weird about film it's it's the one art form where you can't really practice you look at yeah, any other yeah. uh, arts there they have the same thing as sports where it's just like you can practice as much as you yeah, want yeah. to perfect your craft whereas film um the only time you practice is usually when you're at a game and you're like on and it's like okay we're filming this and this is what it is um so uh, yeah well because even practicing costs maybe two thousand dollars to do even a short small film mm-hmm. yeah so there's a lot of stakes it, it is the argument for the film school route right just getting those getting that hands-on experience and getting right. those yeah that that absolute atmosphere absolutely. to make mistakes that's and, what i'm and, saying with some of the story hive people is they like some of those some of those projects may not be amazing but they may build really great filmmakers in, in the process mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean organizations like fava or the the sister organization in calgary which is called the csaf um, are great places to do that for sure. Now, does Edmonton have like um, it's kind of it's kind of fractured in Calgary where we've got M Media, which is like a video, yeah. CSAF, which is more film, like celluloid film centric, and then Quick no, Draw. We just have Fab. Fa- well, I mean, I shouldn't say there are other places, yeah, of course. Uh, but Fab is kind of the main center for film and video. Right. Right. Nice. Yeah, nice. I used to I used to be a member years ago when I lived here, and uh, it's great. It's it's always been awesome. It's a, it's a great space, great gear, and, and you know, Andy is now the guy in charge of the gear over there, right? No, uh, Andy, he um, he's moved on to oh, really? Fava TV, so he's running the oh, okay, distribution cool. kind of side of sweet, uh, sweet. helping people create projects and get distribution in um, through Fava TV and through just putting projects on. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Katrina Beatty, she, she runs the depot and downstairs, and she's doing a fantastic job with that. Cool. Yeah. I actually went to uh, to, like, elementary school with dave cunningham's daughter oh and uh, and and he like came in and taught us like filmmaking stuff long ago (laughs) yeah um okay what do you want to chat about what do i want to chat about uh i don't know um we skipped over two feature films so after texas road i thought my career was over after texas road (laughs) 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 Um, after Texas Road, we uh, did a, a, a much smaller project that um, uh, was based on a um, theater play written by Christopher Lawrence Menard, who was in Texas Road. Um, and uh, so it was, yeah, it was a much smaller film, uh, budget-wise, and also just uh, it was very, it was completely character-driven. Um, so that was the uh, the next film that was called Whatever It Was. 
Um, that's oh, yeah. actually the title of the film. <laughs> that's, a long, that's a long story. Um, I told that joke once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> no, people ask, like, I literally got into a conversation with someone, and I'm just like, whatever it was. And they're like, no, no, what's the what's title, the title of the movie? I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Who's on first? Um, so that was after Texas Road. And uh, then we did uh, I Think I Do. Um, which was uh, our first like kind of forte into like bigger budget productions, um, and that was written by um, Jenny uh, Cooper, who was in Baby Blues, and we had stayed friends. She was the lead in that, and uh, we had been trying to make that happen for some time, mm. and uh, it just took a lot longer than we ever yeah. we ever thought. It's funny we went right after Baby Blues, we went to L.A. Uh, to do a read-through with these fantastic group of actors uh, from all kinds of sitcoms for the film. So we had things like lined up for it. And uh, when we were on our way back from the read-through, Andy and I were pulling back up to the uh, hotel and we're walking out and we had all our equipment with us. And these two big guys came up and just pulled guns and just took everything we had. They robbed. Uh, oh, my God. What? Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy and funny and scary <laughs> and everything you can think of. Quintessential L.A. Yeah, yeah, like it was just like um, they, they. What did you have on you? Well, uh, we had we had all our equipment from the read through, all our la- like our laptops. So pretty much everything we brought there because we were we had our cameras. That's why you came. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ugh. You had cameras and everything. So when they f- first grabbed our like they grabbed all our big bags and they asked me what was in my bag and I like panicked and I just said movie scripts because that's all I think about so they didn't grab my bag which I still think was weird like I would just take <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah. And but that's when this, the experience got really weird because then they turned to Andy and they're just what's in your bag and he literally listed this itinerary it was just like <laughs> laptop well, camera see, computer pencils oh hard drives. my god start like, with the expensive I mean, stuff it was gotten yeah. to your face yeah. I don't know yeah. it was, that's what I mean like yeah. it was the weirdest thing and then it got even weirder and um, they asked Andy for his watch so he took off his watch and it was one of those Casio watches like the plastic one and then the guy was like oh shit buddy you can keep this so they gave him back his watch and he had an HMV bag and they pulled out uh, they made him pull what was in there and it was a Pink Floyd uh, off the wall uh, concert tour video um, and they just looked at him with the strangest look and they like almost patted him on the head and they're like you know what shit buddy you can keep this too oh my god and uh, so they made us get on the ground and close our eyes and then they ran off and, and uh, left and my my cell phone was in my bag so they didn't take that so we called the um, police and it was literally like a uh, scene out of the movies because I'm just like I'm panicked I'm freaking out and uh, I'm trying to talk to the, the operator and they're just like are they there are they with you I'm like I don't know they, they took off and she's just like they're gone I'm like I, I think so I don't know and she's like oh okay if they're gone hold on and then she put us on a hold and transferred us <laughs> to like the local police area oh my god wow and so the cops finally show up and uh, you know you see those scenes in movies where people are like trying to describe what happened We, my mind just went blank just like couldn't. I couldn't do any sort of description the guy's like just ask us about their appearance, what they look like. We, we couldn't really say anything. And then they were like, okay, well, what kind of gun was it? And I was like, it was a black gun? <laughs> um, and the guy's like, no, no. He starts listing these guns name off. And Andy and I just had this glazed look over our face. And then he was just like, oh, you guys are Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we go. I've yeah. never seen a gun before. They're <laughs> like, no. And then I don't know whether it was to lighten the mood or whatever. They're just like, uh, Pamela Anderson. She's Canadian. Nice. We're like, yeah. Nice. And they're like, all right, see you later. Okay. And they just left. <laughs> We're buds now. Yeah, it was the weirdest. <laughs> I really, I want to make a, a, a VR film out of the uh, experience. That experience. Uh, as, a, as a short film, but. Um, That's funny. Yeah, it was, it was, it was so weird. They, um, and then when we got back to Canada, the Global interviewed us and uh, they're just like, they got the information wrong. Um, probably because of what we said. Uh, we told them the read through, the footage was gone. But they knew we went there for Baby Blues. And so they reported that our all the footage from our movie Baby Blues was gone. Our <laughs> oh movie was gone forever. Oh, no. So we must have looked like the dumbest filmmakers <laughs> yeah. to go with one copy <laughs> of, of our movie. film. Yeah. Like we had the yeah. ma- everything with us. <laughs> the one master. The, the one master we had. And it was stolen and it's gone. Oh, no. Someone stole our movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it so. certainly ups the stakes from the storytelling perspective. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's funny. So that was... Uh, yeah, that was what was supposed to be. Um, I think I do right after that, uh, Baby Blues. But it, uh, it that was kind of a metaphor of what was going to happen to development on that film, and everything just crashed and burned. 
um, after things fell out with our distributors uh, after Texas, well, in the middle of Texas Road, mm-hmm. uh, stuff with Baby Blues was being released and it just kind of, it turned really sour. Yeah. Um, so, so without that distributor on board for the next films, can you speak to what kind of the financing structure looked like when you... Yeah, that was all uh, private investment. Okay. So, um, it was, uh, Baby Blues had had a lot of financial success I, yeah, yeah. I um and uh it was people in windsor who knew about the movie and chris is a, a really well-known writer um and uh, actor in windsor and um yeah we kind of put together a group of investors for the film wow and great. um just made a really small small little film mm-hmm. awesome but ha- so how does it work when you have to pay those investors back does, or, or was it some of it just like so yeah they they get it money back through sales right. and uh, such like that. But how do you get paid, or do you? Um, well, on films like like that was extremely that budget was smaller than B- Baby Blues. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, it was uh, so I didn't really take a salary uh, for that. Right. Um, it was just kind of like uh, we wanted to pay because with Baby Blues we didn't have really money to pay the crew, so it was, we tried to take what we did with Texas Road and focus on um, kind of crew. I think, I can't remember. I, I think I had a little bit of money just to like bridge the gap of living yeah, while we were live, shooting. Yeah, for yeah. Sure, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Hmm. So um, if you could kind of give some advice um, for kind of working with a distributor and getting the second and third and fourth movie going, what would your advice be? Um, uh, make sure you have projects, uh, I guess, in that like should always have a bunch of projects um, on the go but like you have to really trust your distributor um, and don't be scared to say no or to get lawyers involved if they need to be and things like that uh, especially when you're starting out because you're I was always so scared that I was going to screw up the deal because I'm like asking questions right. <laughs> and uh, I, in my mind I was like I can't I didn't want to screw things up but you realize that if if things get screwed up over questions then there's it's probably, probably going to get screwed anyways <laughs> yeah. yeah fair enough um, so yeah I would say pr- just protect yourself um, you know things are going to go one way or the other it's the film industry it it, you know, so many relationships um, change over time. And you're working with, I don't know, film. It's just a really weird medium um, how things go. So just protect yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. That's a good tip. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know. I, the other the other thing I, I definitely want to ask. I know we know where to see Forty Below and Falling. Where can we see some of the other movies? Oh, uh, I think I do. It's playing uh, on the W Network. I think it plays oh, cool. about uh, twice a month. Wow, awesome. uh, still plays. Um, the other films they kind of got lost in the um, non like their standard definition. So I yeah, don't know yeah. where they really right. really are anymore. Like hmm. uh, Baby Blues, we had something, um, some stuff way back, but that was we had it was on Super Channel. Um, hmm. But uh, trying to think. Um, I don't know where you'd see the other ones. No, I hear you. And, and it's interesting when I ask that question to people who do have a few uh, feature films, like uh, we just released the Robert Cuffley and, and Jason Long episode yesterday. And um, like some of their early films are not, you can't. Like yeah. there's there's an end, which is weird for a medium that's supposed to last forever. Um, How it gets lost yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. yeah, a lot of, yeah, especially stuff that's shot in standard def now, it's just like. Right. There's no place for it. There's anymore, no unless right, you yeah. shot on on film and it was released on standard def. Right. And like you can grab an HD master, it yeah, kind of yeah. gets lost in the shuffle. Hmm. Or it's like Star Wars, and you have someone who's willing to repaint it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Huh. Wicked. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. Anything else we should go over? Or... Uh, talk about Ampia. I don't know. Oh, sure. Let's talk yeah. about Ampia. Yeah, 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 on the board of Ampia now too. Right. Yeah. 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 How's uh, that? It's great. Uh. Yeah, we got our first board meeting uh, coming up in a little bit. Uh, I'm really excited by the things they're uh, going to be putting on this year. I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff. We're working, uh, trying to get a, a. Bill was talking about a VR component to yeah. one of the uh, um, conferences. That's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like there's there's a lot of really cool events that they have happening, and it's always interesting trying to put on events that's for industry and for um, people who are just starting out and trying to blend and mix right, right. Uh, them together because everyone wants something and people's time is it's so precious so mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, I'm really excited by, uh, I guess, what they have coming up. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a pretty exciting time for this industry in general. I think there's new government, new technology, mm-hmm. new energy. I think, yeah, and I think it's a good idea that you're on that board, considering that you know you're the you seem to be at the forefront of 3D and VR, and that's where everything's going. That's that's a that's a good choice on their part. I'm I'm excited to see what you do there. Well, thanks. Here's your money for saying that. <laughs> um, Don't say that while we're recording. No, they can't see it. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, what's what's really cool, I think, right now, especially with VR, is that like, you know, there are no. Well, there's there's they're starting to be VR superstars, but it's like there's a new platform where you can really make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you know, when I look back at Baby Blues and the whole idea behind that was not to make the best film that we could um not that we didn't try to make the best film that we could but it was just like the idea behind it was let's make a feature let's show people we can do it and then maybe we can convince somebody to give us money to do this because we were always told by granting bodies and investors that well you haven't done a feature so you, right. can, you can't do a you feature can't, you can't do one and yeah. why well, um, i'm not gonna let you do uh, i'm not gonna invest in you till right. you do it and so i think that's that's the biggest thing is just like um really knowing what you want from your projects is always a big thing. Um, what was kind of cool with 40 Below is that we, I set out to make the best movie I could, but it was also like, it's for the next ones where it's like, you know, we're, we're doing 3D on a much smaller budget, but I know that it's about the next project that will get yeah. you one step closer to making the project that you want to make. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, thanks for uh, letting us uh, invade your space here. Oh, yeah, no problem. And <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. Yeah. Take care. Yay. Me, 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 me. Thank you, Dylan Pierce. That was a, an awesome discussion. And um, what was interesting, too, was after we we wrapped on the recording, he brought out his, his little virtual reality headset. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a look at... We, we, we were sort of discussing um, what editing looks like in virtual reality. And... Um, how like do you edit virtual reality and how much do you edit it and so he he showed us this uh this short film in virtual reality with this kind of monster that's attacking the city and it was cool because it was cut like an action movie sort of so you're jumping from inside this building where this woman is firing a rocket launcher and then you're out on the street where this monster is terrorizing and crushing cars and stuff um and what sucked about it was i never i didn't know where to look yeah so when I was back in the building, I would I didn't know where to turn my head, and I, w- I found myself staring at a wall, trying to figure out where the hell I was supposed to look. And then, yeah. b- as soon as I saw the woman, I, I, it was cut back to the street where this monster was roaming around. Right, right. So that was uh, an interesting kind of learning experience for me, and something to consider when you're if you're looking into getting into virtual reality story te- storytelling. Mm-hmm. How do you control a story where the audience is controlling where you're looking? Yeah, um, I almost felt like I like I should have been in charge of whether I was inside or outside as well. Right. Well, but and now we're getting into more, more of a video game yeah. right, style. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting time that we're getting into. And, uh, of course, 2016 now arrived is going to be the year of virtual reality with Oculus Rift and other competitors shipping this year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll obviously be chatting a lot more about this, uh, on the podcast. So let's get back into news you can use. What's going on, man? Yeah, VizTech is having a Boxing Week sale uh, with some pretty good discounts on some film equipment. Uh, the sale has been extended until January 7th, so get on down and pick something up at a sweet deal. That's a pretty long Boxing Week. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, They seem to be getting longer and longer every year. Yeah, so now we're into Boxing Month, <laughs> which is exciting. Mm. Um, upcoming deadlines uh, the Rosies uh, submissions are now being accepted for the Alberta Film and Television Awards uh, entries are open until January 20th so that is counting down we are only uh, about two weeks left so if you're considering submitting to a few categories um, and we mentioned this before if you're not an Ampia member definitely want to get your membership because you get some pretty sweet discounts on submission costs true that <clears throat> what else uh, Favafest has gone on in Edmonton, uh, or it will be coming up here. Um, we've mentioned it once or twice on the podcast before, but uh, uh, d- uh, applications are still being accepted um, until uh, January 11th, so it's coming right up. And some categories have pretty big prizes, like uh, $1,000. Um, That's so a pretty awesome prize. It is, yeah. <laughs> so um, if you uh, made something you're really proud of, uh, definitely send it their way. Um, and be sure to check out fava.ca for more information on that. 
The Shaw Rocket Fund deadline is coming up very quickly, uh, specifically January 13th, which is next week. Um, if you don't know what the Shaw Rocket Fund is, um, they describe it as uh, the Shaw Rocket Fund is constantly on the lookout for investment opportunities in great television and digital programs that will fuel the imagination and intelligence of Canadian children, youth and families. Eligible programs are evaluated on creative quality, financial strength, and the values and benefits they provide to the intended target audience on all platforms. The strongest proposals based on the evaluation and discretion of the Shaw Rocket Fund are considered for investment. Um, this is actually a pretty great fund, um, yes. especially if you're getting into children or family programming. Mm -hmm. So check out um, rocketfund.ca for more information on that. Um, and if you're just checking it out right now, um, you're probably, well, you've only got eight days, so <laughs> haul ass. But it's certainly something that, to look at for anyone who is considering putting together a financing plan for uh, a children's you know piece of content. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty integral piece of, of almost every children's related piece of content in Canada. So um, definitely learn about that one if you're in that world. Um, the AFA deadline is coming up this year, which means there's less than uh, half. Uh, there's le less than a month left to submit your project to the Alberta Foundation for the Arts. Um, the AFA works in six-month cycles, so February 1st is the next deadline to apply for up to $15,000 for a film or video project. Um, we have a blog post, uh, blog post on our website with some tips for applying to grants um, that might be of use, so check out fullswingproductions.com to have a look at that, and we'll have a link in the show notes as well. Um, some grant writing tips from even from our first episode. Uh, I loved Spencer's tip, which was don't do it the night before. Don't do it the night before, yeah. <clears throat> it's an important one. Uh, yeah. Try to do it <laughs> a couple days before so you can let someone else take a look and give, give you some feedback. Yeah, and it's nice to have some time to kind of sit with the tasks that you're assigned to get yeah. this grant done and just kind of <clears throat> stew in the, the information and really give yourself some time to think about it um, at the very least, let alone the actual writing of it. And if you're asking for letters, um, obviously right. you don't want to be asking for those at the last minute. Right. So um, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about applying and you haven't started yet, literally start right now. Yeah. Stop the podcast and start applying right now. Um, and the deadline for uh, Red Deer College's spring term is coming up on oh. January 31st. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar with Red Deer's Nor program, but I'm getting more familiar with it. And it's something we should explore on the podcast. Uh, we should look into learning more about it and, uh, and maybe we can have somebody who's been there. Uh, yeah. Or is currently going. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, if you're listening and you're going to Red Deer College, um, give us, uh, send us an email at hello at abfilmcast.ca. Yeah, we'd love to learn more about that. Yeah. So what's shooting? Uh, Winona Earp is kind of the only union show uh, on the DGC that's shooting in Alberta right now. Um, and also The Night Pond, which is a feature film um, shooting in Calgary, goes to camera on Wednesday of this week, which is so exciting. So it's a cool uh, little indie feature Christmas movie um, with the great Alberta cast. So congrats to the team for getting that project off the ground. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you and, and just about your whole journey. And uh, can't wait to see it in December 2016. Yes. Events, what's coming up? Uh, CIFF, uh, Calgary International Film Festival's annual Oscar party is still happening on February 28th. Um, tickets are on sale uh, right now and it's happening at the Engineered Air Theater. So um, go and check that out and we'll probably talk more about that once we have some uh Oscar nomination. Certainly, yeah. Uh, and we talked about this briefly before the holiday, but it's coming up now. Quick Draw Animation Society um, is, look, they think they found a new location um, and they want to chat with their membership about it. So uh, if you have any opinions on Quick Draw's space, um, definitely head down to the information session uh, in Calgary at Quick Draw's current offices uh, on January 7th at 6.30 p.m. Check out quickdrawanimation.ca for more info on that session. And there's still time to apply for a job with Mosaic Entertainment in Edmonton. They've got two positions open, a manager of business affairs and an executive assistant producer. The job call closes on January 15th. So get on over to their website, uh, mosaicentertainment.ca for more information on that. All right. Recommendations. Yeah. Oh, this was a new thing that we started yeah. last, just in our last so episode. Two so episodes our third ago. episode. Third of episodes. Yeah. 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 So what's your recommendation this uh, week? I'm going to recommend for Calgary filmmakers and, and Alberta filmmakers in general uh, to sign up for the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers Yahoo discussion group, which sounds a little low tech. I know Yahoo's not um, quite uh, on the cutting edge, but. Um, it's a great group that's been around since 2005, um, just purely on the web to connect filmmakers um, for everything from selling gear, sharing ideas, um, getting crew on your on your short 
or finding uh, actors for your projects. Um, it's just been a great way for uh, the community to, to connect. And, um, and and so active, too. Totally, that's, yeah. that's the benefit of it, mm-hmm. too, right, is that people are on their posting all the time. Yeah, there's always some gear for sale or um, or something to audition for. Or yeah, I, I always recommend it for actors, oddly enough. It's because that's where um, a lot of casting calls go up stuff. all the time on it, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you can't always... Um, plan where an active community is going to exist right unfortunately it's on yahoo <laughs> yeah um but it, but the fact that it's there is is just awesome so yeah if you go to uh, csif.org um and on the i believe on the resources tab um you'll find it under there uh, but you can also just google csif filmmakers discussion group and you'll find it in yahoo groups and you just need to sign up and you'll get approved and then you can share your ideas and get involved in the conversation uh, my recommendation this week is uh, kind of lame, but it's important. Uh, if you're if you're a filmmaker who edits on Adobe Premiere, um, I'm recommending this week the Albert or the Adobe Creative Cloud. Um, it used to be prohibitively expensive for filmmakers to get started using these amazing softwares like Premiere and Illustrator and After Effects and InDesign and, yeah. and all the audio post um, stuff. Uh, we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff just to get like three or four just to get yeah and then and then that's it so um it's 50 bucks us which is like 75 bucks now uh, a month so it's not super cheap but it's uh it's a great way to acquire this software legally Mm -hmm. um which means that we can uh, support the creation of the software so that uh, they don't go out of business uh, hint, hint. Um, so yeah, definitely check out Adobe Creative Cloud. It's a great way to uh, to access all the stuff. And if you're not familiar with these programs, it's kind of a, a bit of a cheap way to get them and try them out. Yeah. Because yeah. the first month is free. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see if you like cutting on Premiere. And um, we're going to have an editor on here soon. So we'll talk about all that kind of stuff right. later. All right. So that's it. Uh, if you uh, think we missed anything or got anything wrong, please let us know. We're always uh, hoping to hear from the community. Um just wanted to thank you all again for the the five star reviews on iTunes. We actually hit number one on the film and uh, TV section of the iTunes podcast world, so that's pretty amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and if you have an idea for the podcast, let us know. Um, and you can follow us. Where can you Where can you find us, Scott? Yeah, um, anywhere that the internet exists, we are there as AB Filmcast. So mm-hmm. shoot us an email at hello at abfilmcast.ca. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. Uh, ab filmcast and of course please do subscribe to us on itunes and keep those sweet sweet five star ratings coming yeah all right thanks for listening now go go make make something. something